You're listening to a Broadmoor Podcast production. On Sunday, we continued in Philippians chapter 2 as Josh preached from verses 12 through 18. On the podcast today, we talk more about what it means to live out your salvation as opposed to working for salvation. And how do we know the difference? We also spend time talking about some other things like who is the church for? What does it mean to be innocent, blameless, and without blemish? And what would the Philippian church have understood to be the word of life that Paul tells them to hold fast to? We're covering a whole lot today, and so thank you for joining us for the ride. This is After the Message. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast today. Thank you very much, Chase. That's a birthday class. You so we weren't excited. here last week. He got so excited to be back. Chase, we're so yeah. glad you're here, buddy. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was that was energetic. That's great. Um, yeah, it's, it's good to see you guys. Good weekend? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It was a great weekend. Fished. Yeah, and you caught something, right? Keddy and I went fishing yeah. on Friday to pre-fish for the tournament on Saturday for Gideon's tournament. Pre-fish. Pre-fish, that's a thing. Scoping them out. Yeah, so huh? typically, Sorry. if you fish on the high school team, uh, Gideon's on the high school fishing team, and they, they fish on Saturdays, but they get Friday as an excused absence. Uh-huh. But because Gideon also plays football, he did not get an excused absence because he has to be at school to, right. to play football. Um, so Katie and I went and pre-fished for him. Yeah, there was just an pre-fisherman to, to go and fish. So we caught fish, and then um, you know Gideon played. They played in Startville. Madison Central played Startville Friday night and at Startville. So they got home. I don't know twelve thirty. Uh, so we got in our driveway at one, and uh, we had to be at the boat launch at five a.m. Saturday morning. Uh, that just so became yeah, less fun, right there. And then on that yep. day, I get to do nothing but sit in the boat just in case something bad happens. So I, I right. drive the boat, but I don't control the trolling motor or fish or tie mm-hmm. lures or get fish in. So I was out there, and I had my book. Wait, you have to be wow. in the boat? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, because unless the kids are seventeen, they can't be in a boat by themselves. Yeah. Wow. So I'm the captain. And so how long are they out there? Nine hours. Nine hours. You're just sitting in the boat doing nothing. That's in the water. That's not counting the two hours prior to us getting in said water. Wow. And so I I had a great book, and I watched some college football from the comfort of that little tiny seat. (laughs) It didn't sound very comfortable. No, it was great. (laughs) And then we went home, and and the girls, Katie and the girls, were in Starville. Um, They stayed in Starville. That's where my my mother-in-law lives. And so they were there, and so it was just me and Gideon. And we absolutely passed out. I mean, yes. just slept. I've, I've never slept so great in my life. I can life. imagine. And then we woke up, ate dinner, and went back to sleep. And then Sunday morning, here we are. <laughs> so that's wow. where a social media post does no justice to what that whole day actually no, looked like. No, man. Right? Goodness I mean, you gracious. see the picture, like, oh, beautiful day on the water, beautiful picture. On... Yeah. You but, lose sight of all the other stuff that went into it. Which yes. goes back to an illustration that you used in your sermon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. That's right. <laughs> and I had a lot of people then go back to that picture and comment on and it. Comment. There you go. Oh, well. Wow. Yeah. Great weekend. Yeah. Sorry. That was my weekend, boys. How yeah, were y'all? great. Golly. Nine hours. Yeah, and you can't come off the water. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love Ooh. to fish. I've never fished nine hours nine straight. Nine hours straight. On the reservoir. The good sure. news is, so there's a tournament a month, and 
this month, it I mean, you know, it may have gotten up to 82 degrees, which is great. Yeah. Last month in September, mm. it was 95 degrees mm. on sure. the water. Yeah. Yep. Mm. It was miserable. Yeah. This one yeah. was way better. Mm. Wow. All right. Yeah. Wow. Oh. On to next month. You're a good dad. On to November. Mm. Bring it on. <laughs> or 17. Did we catch any fish that day? No, we didn't. <laughs> oh, gosh. Nine hours and no fish. But great time with my boy. That's oh, good, good, man. Good deal. That's good. Yep. Well, so <laughs> in the room today, we've got Sean Selman, hey. got Josh Braddy, Preston Crow, Mark Evans, and of hey. course, we've already mentioned Chase Hammock. Woo! So uh, it's good to, good to see you guys. It's great to be good seen, to be Mike. So, hey, happy birthday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, an exciting I just, birthday. Well, it we, was a, we it was a busy birthday. Room. Yeah, it was <laughs> fell on a, fell on a Sunday, and so and it just happened to be a Sunday that we not only had services but we also had a deacons meeting and uh, and then did some decorating around the church campus right. as well. And and so yeah, it was a full day, full day. but yes, but it was, was good. It was good. Good. And uh, so and and I just realized before we started recording this that Mark Evans and I are the same age. So. Mm. Because you thought he was younger. (laughs) I did. I did. I don't know why, but I thought he was younger than me. Well, I just think everybody looks at me and says, God, he's so much older than Mike. (laughs) (laughs) And that may be true. I don't know. But uh, I didn't think that. You both are young. Young bucks. I'm not. You're not a young buck? (laughs) (laughs) I gave up. (laughs) Gave up on young. (laughs) Uh, Just cruise right in. Well... Mm -hmm. Anyway, it was good, and and I, I got to say, Josh, uh, you know, I, I appreciate the birthday acknowledgement at the end of the service yesterday. Yes, uh, no, that, you didn't. that might have been one of the most awkward sixty seconds of my life. Did you love it? <laughs> it was great. It I was. Lo- I love that it made you a little bit uncomfortable. <laughs> it made me very uncomfortable. It yeah. sounded like he was leaving. It did. Is what <laughs> it sounded like. Several people said that. They're like, Ooh. "Hey, we just like to keep people on their toes around yeah, here." <laughs> when we call people up at the end of a service, that doesn't mean that they're automatically leaving. They could be having a birthday. That's right. That's right. We yeah. could be giving them a plaque or something. <laughs> oh well, but sometimes they leave. No. <laughs> I did hear somebody said they were walking to go get their kids, and they heard me say, hey, Mike, hey, come join me at the front of the stage. And they were like, oh, like, they came leaving. running back in. <laughs> not and then we started singing. They were like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a birthday. Just a birthday. Uh, well, so, uh, yeah, so, uh, but it was a great, uh, great Sunday, great time of worship. And uh, we were uh, in Philippians 2 still, and uh, I think we'll be in Philippians 2 this next Sunday as well. Lord uh, as we finish it out. So, uh, but this week we were, uh, Josh, you preached from verses 12 through 18. Hmm. And, uh, man, you were, uh, I, I could feel it. You were, you had a lot you wanted to say and you were, you were yes. pushing. You were pushing. Yes. I know you, you probably felt like you rushed through. Well, uh, I didn't think bit. I was pushing until I looked down. So, for, <laughs> for those who are keeping score at home, um, I have a screen, a confidence monitor in front of me that has a clock that ticks down from 35 minutes to, to zero and then to negative, uh, and then it'll start ticking back up. <laughs> and flashing. And, and flashing. And and Stop talking. Get off the stage. Boo. Um, I, I didn't I, I didn't feel pressed until I looked down and I was still on verse 12, and I had 11 <laughs> minutes left. And I was like, wait a minute. Where'd the time go? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's when I started feeling pressed. Yeah, yeah, first verse felt great. My my daughter looked at me and said, he just spent his entire time on one verse. (laughs) (laughs) I did have a little bit of that moment, too, because I can see the clock from where I sit. Uh And I was like, 
oh man, I'm loving this verse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wonder what he's going to do with the rest of them. But there was a lot in that verse. It was I mean, a lot. Right. You, you unpacked a lot, and That's so great. so. Since since we've said that, why don't we go ahead and start there? Um, so, you know, verse 12, uh, uh, Philippians 2, verse 12 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, just I think a good question for us to start on, I, I think one of you guys mentioned that this came up in your uh, life group uh, conversations is how do you notice or, or is there a yeah. difference? Can you notice a difference between someone who is working out their salvation versus mm-hmm. someone who is working for their salvation? Yeah, yeah. And, and we, spent some we had time some discussion about that. about that because it seems like from an outside observer, if you're just watching those two people, you would see a lot of the same things. Hmm. You would see a lot of the same actions and you know behaviors and things like that so the question was is it really more of a heart internal motive type thing or would there be some external differences in those two and let's and let's just go ahead and and to make a make a distinction between what those two things would be so josh and you spent a lot of time talking about that sure um you know the difference between someone who is working out their salvation as this passage instructs versus someone who might be working for yeah so you know you Feel free to go back and, and listen to the sermon and, and hear all of that time that I spent on there. Uh, but it's simply um, the idea that our salvation is given to us by grace through faith. Uh, it, it's not we didn't work for it, we didn't earn it. It's not something that that we kind of went to a Christian tryout and God said, "I need you on the team." Like there, there's nothing about what we have done or can do or a future version of us will be able to do that God foresaw and said, "Now because of who you are, what you've done." I'm going to give you the salvation, right? So, so we're not doing anything for it. We don't, we don't work. We don't try harder to be better in hopes of God loving us. Mm. But God does love us in his, in his infinite grace and mercy. And because we are loved and because we are positionally in Christ by God's grace, we now have the ability to work out the salvation that we have. Mm. So the difference is we're trying to gain something. That, that would be a false gospel. That, that is not what we believe. As opposed to we have something, therefore we need to exercise that thing that we mm. have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. And so back to your yeah. point, Preston, you know, it, it may be very hard outwardly to, to notice the difference because mm-hmm. it's, it's an inward sort of motivation, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, because you could see two people serving – for different motives um, in lots of different ways. You could see people coming to church for different motives in lots of ways. You talked a little bit about right. speaking to the church yesterday in that. Mm-hmm. But the behaviors, the actions could look very... Or even which, abstaining. Or not abstaining. doing right. things sure. um, right. mm-hmm. to try to look and appear. Yeah. yeah. And, and the cool thing about this passage, I think, and again, of all the time I spent on it, I didn't bring this part out, but I, I do think it's really important. He says, work out your own salvation. Uh, So although he is speaking to the collective, he speaks to the individual because it is an end of our faith is individual. Mm -hmm. It is collective in the sense of how we practice and express our faith and how we are made better in our faith. So Mm -hmm. when we talk about exercising the gifts that we have, we are always called to exercise those gifts in community with one another because to answer that question, I think sometimes we're not going to be fully conscious 
are we working out our salvation mm-hmm. or are we trying to to work for a salvation? Mm-hmm. Right. And sometimes our mind or the way in which we work gets so muddled, we need brothers and sisters on the outside that are able to look in, mm-hmm. who are going to know our hearts, going to be able to ask the right mm-hmm. questions, to feel because some of the tension that we have. So, so if we've messed up and we're not grieved that we have gone against God's will, but instead we grieve because we think God is going to kill us. Those two are different, and when Mm -hmm. we begin to express that and live that fear out, then that's, I believe, helpful when other brothers and sisters say, hey, can I ask you a question? I understand that maybe what you did, it wasn't what you you hoped that you would do. Help me understand what you're feeling right now, because that question is going to then tap into the heart, Mm -hmm. um, the the reason why you are doing what you're doing or not doing what you're doing, and it's going to remind, hopefully, what Christian community does, remind us of the gospel truth. We are saved by grace through faith, not what we've done, not what we can do, not what we promised we won't do again, right? It is grace alone. That's right. Mm -hmm. All right. So uh, you asked the question, how can we tell? Mm -hmm. Here's how I see it in my life, Um, the the difference. I think it's it's pride and haughtiness Mm -hmm. and judgmental attitudes. Mm -hmm. Um, So Mm -hmm. if, if, if I'm pursuing... Uh, obedience or abstaining as an effort to make myself present better to other people, mm-hmm. I'm going to be very prideful about what I do, and I'm going to be very judgmental about what you don't do. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so even if it's... Um, I'm always judgmental of what you do. <laughs> <laughs> and you might have <laughs> reason. great reason to be. But I think... Okay, so here's where it snuck in for me. Um. As many of you know my story, there was a lot of legalism. When I fought that battle of of trying to reframe, because a lot of it was still birthed out of pride that was core to me inside, mm-hmm. the sin nature of pride, I made um, grace and the understanding of grace almost a new legalism. In the sense of I, I, I had pride in my understanding of grace, mm-hmm. and I threw a lot of... If you all just could understand it the way right. I understand so it. In the midst of my understanding of grace to fight against performance, I just created a new way to perform mm-hmm. by being very gracious, understanding the Bible and the way it talks about salvation by grace. Yeah. And if you don't get it, then I would well up in pride and judgment over you. Yeah. Uh. I think humility and grace and really understanding the gospel of grace allows us to be humble in the way wherever anybody else is. Like you said, it's my own journey. That's right. It's your journey where God has you. And real humility says it's not about what I know, what I do. Everybody's a different place, and I will be more gracious toward mm-hmm. other people and not so prideful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. That is good. It's sneaky. Sneaky. It is sneaky. Very sneaky. It is because sneaky. you can do anything for the yes. right or wrong mode. Right. Now, I do think as you get um, closer to like the core of the gospel in terms of your own walk, like deeper in the word, deeper in prayer, um, witnessing evangelism, things like that, I think people are less inclined to do those things out of the wrong motive than they are to go do the public, mm-hmm. uh, look at me serving, look at me yeah. accomplishing, mm-hmm. those, those types of things. And so that's good. for yeah, me, that, that's a check maybe in my spirit to go back to, to say, because I don't, I don't think that just anybody is going to go witness 
and share the gospel just to be noticed. But you can. I mean, that's the, right. that's the tricky part of it is yeah. people can do even those things for the wrong Particularly if reason. I want to show up at Life Group and say, yeah, that's right. Hey, let me Look tell what you, I did. Yeah, yeah. I was able. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To share. So, what, what, share and all that, gospel. what comes to mind is like this idea that what we do is it is it earning in any way mm-hmm. for us something? So even we talked about this whole idea of your own salvation, but also the body of Christ yeah. how, right. how it works together. Sometimes we we think that being a part of the body gets us something. Right, mm-hmm. like so. If I go to church, if I'm a part of a church, then that must earn me something. Mm-hmm. But clearly, here, Paul reminds us, you can only work. Like if you look at the play in words, you can only work out what God has worked in. Has worked in, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. And so it, it all comes down to that: mm-hmm. what God has done through grace and and, yeah. mercy and, and even faith. Like what yeah. God has worked in, that is what you can work out. Yeah, right. And so it's not based in the works. It's not based in what we do or what we seek recognition for, it is it is only out of obedience to what God has already worked into our hearts, mm-hmm. right? True. And yeah. so, um, yeah. so I, I've got it. So coming back to your points of prayer and evangelism, it becomes one of those things of like almost like I've got to do this, mm-hmm. like not mm-hmm. I have to do this, but I I've got to yeah. because right. of right. what God's doing in me, and, and only in community do you. W- are those questions answered? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. I mean, and that's so. Your question, I think, is right. It's not my place to sit on the sidelines and judge whether your motives are pure or not. Mm-hmm. In community, I can walk with you, mm-hmm. and like Josh, you said, uh-huh. ask questions. Mm-hmm. That's right. What's yeah. going on inside of you that's motivating you? And if we don't have those people in our life that are asking those questions, we can hide mm-hmm. and sure. present and do all the game. Sure. Yeah, and I think uh-huh. a, a part of that, and if Neil Marsh were here, I think he. I think we've all done this at some point, but in my mind, he is the best I've ever seen at it. Mm. He's so proactive in in asking for feedback, right. and right. so it it, mm-hmm. it could be as simple as a presentation he makes to our staff, or or something you know more soul level. He generally asks the question, "Hey, as you've heard me do that, as you watch that unfold, what did you see? What did you see? Mm-hmm. What did you see in me? Yeah. Could could I have done anything different? Like genuinely, yeah. and truth, like all my cards on the table. I don't really want that feedback. <laughs> <laughs> I need that feedback. Uh, I need my brothers and sisters right. to speak life into me. Right. But uh, you know, it, it's not a comfortable thing to you know to walk up to somebody and say, "Hey, go ahead and tell me all the things that I'm uh-huh. doing wrong that mm. you didn't like. Yeah. Show show me right. all the ways that I, I messed that mm. up." But man, Neil Neil is mm-hmm. a master that's at good. that, and, yeah. and I think that's why he is so relationally healthy. Uh-huh. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah. and I think that is the beauty of the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Not sure. only to to hear feedback when it comes because that can sting, but also think to to be curious yeah. and proactive to say, all right, you may not have thought to say this, but what did you see in me? Yeah, mm-hmm. right. And I think that's beautiful too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's talk for a minute because uh, this came up in our life group. Uh, there were. There, uh, a couple of people that kind of got hung up on the uh, the latter part of that verse where it says to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So it's the, you know, those words fear and trembling that, that kind of got, okay, it's this picture of, okay, should I be cowering behind a rock somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, so, you know. How do we interpret that? Because that is the first mental picture when we mm-hmm. see fear and trembling is uh-huh. hiding, shaking, being afraid and hoping we yeah. don't get zapped. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I I love that you pulled Isaiah six. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and good. if we if we go through that whole thing, so not only do you have this moment that Isaiah sitting there and coming to grips with his brokenness, mm-hmm. but 
after that experience goes forward mm. and is a vocal prophet in a tough situation yeah. Yeah. that his confidence and mm-hmm. is is in who God is That's right Good right and so um so there's that whole idea of, it's not this cowering. No, that's right. You know, mm. um, it is it is a sense of reverence and awe and who God is mm-hmm. and who we're not, mm-hmm. and then therefore then propels us to go in in the power of Christ. Yeah, right. That, so, that's exactly right. And I think this is one of those prime examples that whenever we study the scripture, scripture that's written two thousand years ago, um, although we we are going to use similar words that have roots that we are going to understand the meaning of those words are, are different in their context in the context. Now, so when we say fear and trembling, we generally have the cowering uh-huh. in our mind. Like that's always going to be the very first and almost instantaneous that's right. picture that pops in our mind. Um, but to, to the, your point, Shauna, this is certainly what is in view. Uh, it is not a, all right, so God's gracious. He's good. He saved us. Now, if you mess up, he's going to get you like that. That's not what we should see or understand but there is this beauty of when we surrender all that we are to the Lord Jesus Christ, there should be an awe and respect and a love mm. of knowing who we're giving that to and what he might do with it. Right. Yeah. And there's something that in many ways could cause you to, to have fear and trembling because the next um, proclamation he's going to say is, and when you do that, don't grumble about it. Mm. Don't complain. Don't say to the Lord, Lord, here I am. Send me. And then when he actually sends you, you say, well, not there, <laughs> not to those people. No, don't tell me to say that thing. God, what are you doing? Yeah. You have given up all rights yeah. to him. And and part of that is, I don't know what you're going to do with my story, God, because there's a lot that I would, I, if I could, God, use this part, highlight, I, I feel safe here. I feel like this will communicate. I feel like people already know and they won't judge me. But generally, God is going to use the the foolish things to shame the wise. He's going to use the weak things to disarm the strong, right? And and usually what that means in our story is he's going to use the harder parts mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, what we know about humanity is we're fallen. And in our brokenness, and again, without preaching all of New Testament theory, like Paul Paul writes this in, in the Corinthians, right? God, please take this away. Please... I don't want this thorn. I don't want. I don't want to be known for this. Whatever the thorn was, and God said no. And then Paul goes on to say, "And so I will boast all the more in my weaknesses, mm-hmm. so that the power of Christ may on may be on display." And I think there there is part of that trembling. Lord, are you gonna are you gonna say that? Are you gonna are you gonna ask me to go there, do that with these people? Yes, and mm-hmm. I think that's okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, <laughs> Still in verse twelve here. Uh, yeah. See, <laughs> see. Get out of well, there. you know those those a lot. Yeah, and so, but but you, you meant you spent some time talking uh, about who the church is for, um, and I think that's worth us us bringing up on on this in this conversation too. Uh, to just just be clear, like as we as we talk about the church, like and and have a clear understanding of of like who is the church and what's the church for. Mm-hmm. So. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's it's to nuance it, what is a Sunday morning gathering for? Right. Is an, mm. is another question of yeah. that. Like, what is what is the gathering what, for? What, who who's the audience? What are we oh, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. What do y'all say? Yeah. Where do we want to start? Can we describe that there is a <laughs> there's a spectrum of thought on say mm-hmm. a Sunday morning gathering and and there are some churches that lean way heavy toward an end that yeah. would say 
it is primarily to engage lost people right. who come into the service. And then there are some churches that would lean toward the side of saying is primarily for people who are believers, right. who are gathered. Uh, and then there's a the whole spectrum in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my, my, my first thought fair? is, I'm, I'm glad you brought up gathering because I think we could we could substitute the Sunday morning gathering for what we consider the church, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And yeah. so just our understanding, like when you hear the word church, a lot of people typically think building. the building and mm-hmm. the, the program and the thing we come to, but the church is by definition believers, mm-hmm. right. like people. those who have placed mm-hmm. their faith yeah. and trust in Christ. And so, so it's, it's, a, it's the redeemed. Now, right. now, so the redeemed then set aside a time to which they find a building or a place to gather for worship mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. collectively, corporately. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, I, I would say when we preach, that, that's, I think that's my primary understanding yeah. of it, is that the gathering, the, of, the the gathering of the believers has right. come together as the body to, to have fellowship, to right. worship together, to encourage one another, to spur one another on. Mm, to equip the believer. To, that's right. right. And so, so in yeah. that moment, to what you said Sunday, I'm preaching toward the believer mm-hmm. now. In, I think in preaching to believe to believers, we constantly remind ourselves of the gospel. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So a person that comes into the gathering on a Sunday morning sh- should probably and and will more than likely hear the gospel mm-hmm. clearly proclaimed. Right. And in that moment, if God uses that moment to actually draw the heart of that unbeliever to Himself, mm-hmm. to God right. be the glory. Right. Right. And so, um, but I I would kind of say that it's it's the the focus is the believer. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, I would agree. And I, I don't think it's wrong for a believer to say, "Hey, come to, uh, yes, to right. an unbeliever, come Absolutely. to church with me." Sure. Why? Because I want I want you to see the life of the church. Mm-hmm. I, I want you to see my family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and as as a result of that, you get to experience what what Christ calls, "Hey, I've, I've come to bring you life abundantly." Yeah, absolutely. What that looks like. So you know, and yesterday was it an interesting example? I'm sorry, coming to you next. Oh, no, there sorry. I just rose my hand, so I thought. There you go. Go on, Chase. But <laughs> go this is a, we're out of time. This is if he rare. raises his hand, we're this going a, there. This I've, is a rare moment. I've plugged in my microphone. Uh, specific to Broadmoor, what about groups? Ooh. It's, it's a great, great, great question, question that we've had yeah. many discussions over. Yeah. Uh, so if you're asking me, and this isn't like Josh Pastor of Broadmoor going to cast a vision for this, but for me, groups are for the believer. Um, in the same premise, I believe that lost people come, can come be a part of a group. Sure. But if if our groups are doing what we hope that they do, life on life or life with other believers – then we need to make crystal clear that all of those that we are doing life with have the same values uh, right. and have the same Lord Jesus mm. uh, that, that we do. Um, for we are going to hopefully leverage our life differently than the world around us is going to leverage. If in that moment we begin to have people who do not share that same value, but we are inviting them to do life alongside us in the same way that we would those who are believers, then we are going to, to not only send mixed messages, but our at least I would hope there would be a conflict of, mm-hmm. of values that are going to yeah. lead to a conflict of living out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mm-hmm. believe that it's, it's, it's more applicable to bring 
and invite lost people into a worship setting as we see it at Broadmoor, for they may hear the gospel, they may hear the gospel sung, but as far as groups go, that is, in my opinion, primarily for the mm, redeemed. Right. All right. Yeah. So I, I completely agree. I'm gonna and um, <laughs> I'm gonna do an and because I think it, there is an and, particularly for life groups. Um, the way we have structured life groups, it's exactly that. Um, now we do try to create an open door feel in our life group setting more so than our small group setting. Once you get into a small group setting. I'm a little more uh, tight on how we do that because that's that's where there's trust and vulnerability at a whole other level that I completely agree believers. I think when we do life group, we're still talking to believers, but if you are a unchurched lost person, mm-hmm. if you've got a neighbor who is that, I would recommend you bring them to a life group before your small, small group, group. Mm-hmm. for sure. So, now here's a here's another here's another option. Here's the other and. Oh, there's more than one. There's more yeah. ands. Okay. And, and. I would love to see people in neighborhoods having group settings mm-hmm. where they're inviting lost people. Yeah. Sure. But it's got it's a missional group setting uh, with a purpose that's intentional so. about creating an environment that's safe with questions. What does the word say? It's worldview discussions. Those things are beautiful, and we're all for those. But when you talk about a life group, small group setting that we talk about at Broadmoor, I definitely think that's I would, uh, geared yeah, toward the believer. I would, the idea that comes to mind for me is like, so if I gather with a group of believers for worship mm-hmm. and then I gather with a life group and then I gather with my small group, all those things should be leading me toward me being mindful of Equipping my neighbors. To missionary. My, yeah, to mm-hmm. go and share the gospel, right? And so so that would be a beautiful picture that if, if in all of those groups, what we're doing is we're taking one step closer to you being propelled to go and share the gospel Absolutely. with your coworker, your neighbor, beautiful. those kinds of things. And mm-hmm. then, then inviting them to the church or life yeah. group, those kinds Absolutely. of things. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think in terms of the service, too, you look back at yesterday, we we also had the Lord's Supper. And so, you know, anytime we do that, uh, you do a great job setting it up as here's what it is, here's what it represents. And this is for believers. So if you're in the room and you're not a believer, it's okay. Be here, be with us, observe, listen. But this ordinance is actually for believers to celebrate. (laughs) This is for believers to celebrate what Christ has done in their lives. And so I I do think there's, even within a service, there may be varying levels Mm -hmm. of how the church, the believers, and the non-church or the unbeliever in the room participate in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And again, and Mark and I, funny enough, we've we've had this conversation a lot about you know who gets to be a part of groups and and what that looks like, uh, and and I think that's why Paul writes and defends so tenaciously to to use that really fun word um, for for the believer to make sure that they are following the Lord Jesus and and not what the outside world is doing. I think you know if, if our life group were just another teaching scenario, mm-hmm. then sure invite people in. Mm-hmm. But what our life group primarily is is not a teaching scenario, and more of hey, bring life to this group, and we can sort it out together. For we are going to live life with one another. So, Absolutely. for example, if you're coming in and and you're struggling in your marriage, and and if if that would be something you were comfortable airing to the to the room of people. You would hope that the wisdom that you receive is going to be centered on the person, the work of Christ. Mm. If there's somebody in that room that does not believe that Jesus is the Christ, then that wisdom is not going to be centered on the person, the work of Jesus Christ, but they're going to be as passionate about it. And now we have 
a dilemma before us. Do we now contradict what that person says? Say, hey, thank you so much for that. You're wrong. Uh, please don't listen to that. Or are we going to continue to contend for those who are going to be in the trusted level of our circles, those who are followers of Jesus Christ? That's why I always contend for anything that is outside of the worship gathering that that kind of moves down is primarily for the right. for the believer for for if if we, if Jesus isn't the Christ then our values are already yeah. skewed but you know to the point there could be things about oh man we're going to hang out this week and we can have a great time and have fun but at some point our values will go one direction mm-hmm. and theirs will go the other and there will be the rub Absolutely. that we're going to have to face mm-hmm. that's right all right, so uh, I feel I feel much like you probably did on uh-huh. Sunday. Yeah, now you got to move it, baby. <laughs> oh, man, it's like there are so many more things we could talk uh-huh. about here, but uh, I feel like we need to be selective because we're running out of time. Um, so, real quick, I, I do want to hit this. Um, so, in verse fifteen, uh, so verse fifteen reads uh, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. And so, first of all, I, I, briefly, I just wanted to talk about, like, what does it mean to be innocent, blameless, and without blemish? Sean had a great answer for that. I think I just asked the question. Oh, okay. <laughs> same <laughs> so, thing, same thing. Uh, well, I, you know, when you read it on the surface, I think what it calls to mind, it goes back to the works thing, right? Is like, I I can't be perfect. If It sounds like that Paul's calling this group of people to be perfect and you look at your life and you go I'm not perfect. Mm-hmm. So how can, how can I how can I accomplish this? And I I think so this so this is just surface right here but Paul's using some language that's familiar to these people too though. Right. Um if you go back to Abraham, right? So he's going to be a key figure that's going to point this people back to one central thing and that's faith. He uses the word children of God and shine like stars, mm-hmm. um, which is language used in the covenant that God makes with Abraham because mm-hmm. of, not because of what Abraham does, because of his faith. Mm-hmm. And so, so if I, that, that's one way to take this and kind of go, okay, what does it look like? Well, it looks like a person having faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and that begins to make a difference in a crooked and perverse generation. Mm. Like it, it makes a difference in this world because what it does is not putting that person on display; it's putting God on mm-hmm. display. Yeah, that's right. And so, so that's the promise that was made to Abraham. If you'll, so because of your faith, you've been made children, and I'm going to make you a, a nation that's going to bless others. You're going to be as numerous as the sand on the seashore and as the stars in the heaven. Mm-hmm. So this is a reference back to that that language of faith. That's right. So the the blameless and innocent. The, the without blemish is not that it comes from us. It's actually it comes from Christ. Mm, yeah, and we're so, robed in that. Yeah. Ro- mm-hmm. yeah, I think there there's certainly a tie to a, a deeper, you know, a theological. Like if we were doing our systematic theology class on the podcast, there there's this idea that whenever we come to faith in Christ, we are robed in His righteousness, um, and so it, it and in effect, when God now looks at those who are redeemed. He sees not us. He doesn't see our past. He doesn't see our present or future. He sees Jesus Christ. Um, he, he sees the Son and all of the holiness and splendor. He sees blameless and innocent children of God. Uh-huh. But it says that you may be blameless and innocent. So uh-huh. if you were just jumping into 15, 
it, it may make you think, well, I have to do something. It's that performance. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, man, I'm, right. I can't be. What? The, oh, man, I'm already. Right. The reading does say, do this yeah. that you may be blameless and innocent, yeah. which looks like an equation. Right. Mm-hmm. And, if and, you do this, you will be this. But, so, you know, the thought is to do what? And so you, you back, all the you, way back you up. read yes. backwards. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And, and what it's saying is it's we surrender. That's when right. we surrender and trust Christ to, to be uh-huh. our Lord, then we are robed in his righteousness. Mm-hmm. And that is the doing that we can do. You know, it's, it's I, would, that, I, I would even say going all the way back to the hymn of Christ, yes. the mind of Christ, mm-hmm. um, because 12, that's right. because of therefore, yeah. mm-hmm. that's right. because of who Christ is, therefore, yep. do mm-hmm. these things. And that's so, exactly right. Mm. Great clarity. That's good. That's good. All right. So uh, moving along, uh, verse 16, uh, I think this is, this is good, and this is probably the last thing we'll have time for. Uh, but verse 16, it talks about um, holding fast to the word of life. So that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. So uh, let's talk for a moment, like, uh, what is the word of life? So uh, because I think a lot of us would look at this and we would we would think, oh, well, God's word, the Bible, the scripture. Um, but we, we would have to then remember that the Philippian church didn't have the Bible as we know it. Mm-hmm. Right. So what? So, so, <laughs> you know, if the King James Version was good enough for Paul, it's good enough for me. Dude, I've heard that in real time, oh, in real life. Uh, um, yeah, so so what is what would they have understood to be the word of life that they should hold on to? Yeah, I, I would say ultimately it's Christ, right? right? So, so he is the word of life. So when we, we go to the Gospel of John, which they don't have yet, right? right? That's uh, right. More than likely, they, they have not received that Gospel writing yet. But John would make, make the point, or at least contend for, Jesus is the word of life. Uh, and as he came, we received him. Um, but for them, their word that they're actually going to read is the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they're going to read um, all, all of the writings that, that are Old Testament. And so, again, you know, to your point, Mike, the, the New Testament hasn't been created. It's, it, it is being written in real time. Much of it is still going to, to be penned. So for them, when they cling to the word of life, they're clinging to Christ, but they're also clinging to the writings of the Old Testament. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, if I, so if I go that route, take it a step further. If mm-hmm. I go Old Testament, then I'm clinging to the words of God. Right. Right. Through the prophets, through the covenants, through – through all the through the law through the through the Torah, like so, if I take all those things, the commandments, I'm clinging to the word of God, and ultimately the word of God was pointing His people to a promise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, if I if I go, yeah, so that word of life is the promise that God has made to His people that there is a Redeemer, that there is a Messiah, mm-hmm. and so I'm hold even even in that New Testament setting there. Paul has proclaimed to them that that promise, mm-hmm. that Messiah has come, has been fulfilled, and it's mm-hmm. in Christ. And so he's saying those words that you hold on to from the Old Testament, mm-hmm. they've been fulfilled in That's Jesus. Right. And so hold on to that. That's exactly right. Hold, grab on to that. Don't let go of it. Mm. So, And what is beauty? beauty what is beauty? And then we is end beauty. It with yeah. <laughs> what is beautiful? Uh, and we've talked about this, I think, in the last couple of podcasts, um, talking about apostolic teaching. Um, the reason Paul contends in most of his letters for being an apostle is because the weight in which they speak is different than anybody else who's That's ever right. lived. Because, again, 
they don't have the gospels. They don't they don't have mm-hmm. the New Testament writings, but essentially what an what an apostle is. So what what it means to be an apostle is you walked with or you saw the Lord Jesus and have been commissioned by him personally. Mm-hmm. So whenever Paul gets up and he contends, now again remember, Paul didn't walk with the Lord on earth like with the right. other other apostles, the other right. disciples. This happened on the road to Damascus, and he would contend. In that moment, is just as mm-hmm. important as as walking with the Lord Jesus on those those um, three three years of mm-hmm. ministry, right? So when Paul writes, it's as if God Himself is speaking to these people with eyes that have seen the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so for them, they would be so encouraged. It wouldn't just be like a letter like we would send to them and say, "Hey, you know, be encouraged, brothers and sisters. It'll be great." We're hearing from a man mm-hmm. who saw the Lord Jesus with his eyes That's right. That's and experienced right. him. Yeah. So yeah. It, there, there's a weight to all of these letters, particularly the apostolic letters. Mm. Yep. It's good. Wow. There's so much more we could talk about. And, uh, See, it's but, not uh, as easy as y'all think. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> but I'm watching my prompter screen count down. That's right. Now it's counting yeah. up. <laughs> Stop talking. Get off the podcast. Yeah, so uh, anyway, great conversations today. And I, I'm excited to keep moving forward. And uh, we'll finish out chapter two, Lord willing, on Sunday mm-hmm. and, uh, and move into chapter three and beyond. So uh, looking forward to that. Guys, awesome. great conversation. Great what? Great job. Chase, Chase. Chase is like mocking me. I, I put clapped. my hands together. I clapped. I didn't mean to. Sorry. Um, anyway, guys, uh, appreciate you guys. Love doing life with you. Love you guys. This has been a production of Broadmoor Baptist Church. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with others and don't forget to subscribe. To help us spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe as well. They can find us wherever they prefer to get their podcasts. And... If you'd like more information about Broadmoor, please visit our website at broadmoor.org or connect with us on your favorite social media platform where we're listed as at my Broadmoor. Thanks for listening. <laughs>